All right. Father God, we, uh, we come to you today uh, on a, the special day that we celebrate fathers. Um, and here we get to look at Paul, who is uh, attributed the, the father of the Gentiles. He was the first one that was able to go out and take this message of your gospel that we've been singing about all morning and the love that you share to the Gentiles for the very first time. And so, God, as we dig into that word and as we look into today with the mindset of fatherhood, we also note that you are our good father. And so, God, as we do that today, know that whenever uh, we do hear from you this morning or the truth that you do relay to us, that we take that to heart and that we would look into what the truth is into our lives and then apply it. So, God, we pray to thank you for today. Just ask that we would be able to open our eyes and calm our hearts so that we can hear from you clearly this morning. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right. So today, uh, another, another history lesson for you guys, uh, Father's Day. Who knows, besides uh, Alicia and Rick, how old Father's Day is? How old the tradition of Father's Day is? Okay. That's what I thought, because I didn't know until a few days ago. Um, so Father's Day this year, June 19th, will become 109 years old. That's pretty old. It's older than Mother's Day. Mother's Day didn't become official until the 14th, uh, 1914. Um, but what's interesting is the start of Father's Day. So back in 19, it was 1909. A little girl by the name of Soma was sitting in a, in a church. And earlier that year, she had heard a message about women for Mother's Day, because I guess in the church, Mother's Day has been a celebrated day longer than it's been a, a federally uh, annotated one. And uh, come later that year, she wanted to hear one about her father and to celebrate her father. And so asked her church if, if they could do one on that day, and they did it. And then she wrote some letters to people, and the following year, Father's Day became an official holiday. Um, which is really weird, right? Just because of a little girl wanted to celebrate her father, it became a national holiday, which is cool to think about. And it's been going strong now for 109 years. Now, I know there's no father that is 109 today, but I had a friend who was a father, lived to be 102. That's impressive. He was almost alive for every single Father's Day. Like, that's a feat. Um, and so for here, for the foreseeable future, we get to celebrate fathers on this day, um, this weekend of June. And... On Facebook, I posted earlier that this is a time that we should also remember to thank God as our Father as well, because I think often that gets overlooked, except for church. Church, we try and weave God as our Father into there. Um, but much like most holidays nowadays, the, the church aspect, the religious aspect, kind of gets the back burner unless it's Christmas or Easter, right? Those are the, the two big ones. Um, and for some reason, Mother's Day always either Proverbs or we look at Mary. Those, are, those are, are pretty typical. But fathers seem to get the short end of the stick whenever it comes to a Father Day sermon or 
because we get compared to God, which we're not mounting up to, to God. So that just makes us feel terrible, right? And so today what I want to do is I want to, in, in the spirit of continuing through Ephesians, we just so happen to line up perfectly about Paul and his stewardship to the Gentiles. And so today we're going to take a look at Paul as a father to the Gentiles and his responsibility of stewardship for them. And so there's a good portion of reading today, more than usual. Um, so we're going to read through that really quick, and then we're going to break it down. Uh, one, the definition of a father. We, we're on this role of knowing definitions of words, and so we're going to look into that and how those line up with Paul and his relationship with the Gentiles. So let's go ahead and start. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. By that revelation, there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a, oh, that's supposed to say minister, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance to the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness, confident access through faith in him. Therefore, as I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. All right. So that was, that was a lot. Take a minute to, to mull over that and to look at what fatherhood is. So fatherhood, as most people know, is just the relation of a man to his child. Right? And we're going to get into something a little interesting about other translations of most of Paul's letters when he's writing to someone. He uses a word that has been cut out of most of our newer translations because it's a word that we don't use in America very much. So we're going to look at that in a little bit. Second, it says an important figure in the origin or early history of something. Thirdly, a man who gives care and protection to someone or something. And lastly, the oldest or most respected member of a society or other body. So we're going to take a look at this section of, of Scripture and apply these definitions to what Paul has just said in Ephesians 3. Okay, so, oh, before we do that, for this reason, right? That's a, that's a, a conjunction phrase, Right? And we learned about last time in Ephesians 2 at the end, Paul talks about 
the fact that they are no longer excluded from being able to, to uh, have the promises and, and the love of God because they were Gentiles, right? That's what we talked about last week. So he continues and says, for this reason. So because you are now included into the gospel story of God, this is what I do. Okay, so this is Paul's continuation of saying, now that you are no longer excluded from God's promise, I am here to serve you. Right? You have now become my responsibility. And so this is where we get to that funny word. It's you ward. If you look at your, your KJVs or your other like old English translations, in all of Paul's writings, when the word you comes up, it's you word or ward. Right? So we all know you. It's a directory statement. Ward is someone that you have guidance or authority over. Right? So back in this time, wards would be children of, say, your brother died in battle. You took his child. He became your ward. Right? And so Paul's vision of everyone that he was writing these letters to was his child, his responsibility. That's a lot of kids that he took responsibility for. And so we saw the first definition of a father as a man in relation to his child. And so one of the first thing Paul sets up for us here in Ephesians 3 is you are my responsibility and then this is why I do what I do. He makes that very clear to them and claims fathership and responsibility for the people of Ephesus, the people that read this letter. Secondly, I highlighted that it's the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. So this is where Paul explains his responsibility to his children. God had entrusted him to share his grace with those who had never heard it before. God had given Paul the responsibility of a loving father to go and care for his children. We often get the illustration of a, the good shepherd to his sheep, right? This is that same thing. It's just father to son. When I was first getting to know my son um, a while back, he, uh, he's 12 this year. He's grown up pretty quick. Be 13 in October. Um, I, was, I was faced with a hard question uh, by a lot of people about if I truly loved my son, I would be with him physically, which my son and I have never spent a lot of time together. In his 12 years, we may have maxed out maybe a year and a half worth of actually spending time together, uh, which isn't a lot. But through that question from uh, my mentor, Mr. Nolan, and really asking me to think about it, I started to develop what my responsibility to my son was. It wasn't in God's plans for me to be there physically with him, but I still have a responsibility spiritually to my son. 
Um, and that hit me pretty hard. And uh, I was spending a summer, and my uh, I was supposed to only be there a week or two weeks. And then my engine blew on my car. And uh, so I ended up spending the whole summer with my son. And um, it was a really pivotal time. It was, I believe he was nine or ten-ish at this point. He's a big reader. He blows me out of the water when it comes to reading. And I knew that if I wanted him to start to go on a path with God in a, in a good direction, I needed to set that precedent. That was on me. Not only in God's eyes as his father, but as someone that claims to be a follower of Christ, that is my biological disciple is my son. If I claim that I want to be a disciple maker and I don't do it with my son, I'm a failure. Right? And so what was cool is I... I got my son a Bible, and every morning he would wake up, and he always woke up before me, and he'd come down, and we would read a chapter of the Bible, and then he'd get breakfast, and then we'd play video games. And uh, I remember there was one night I was feeling sick, and I slept, and I didn't wake up when he came down to read scripture with me, but he was sitting at my feet reading his Bible when I woke up. And at that point, I was like, yes. That's awesome to see his, his commitment and his faith to not only what it is, the, the precedent that I set for him as a father, but that he wanted to get to know God. And the kid read like four books of the Bible in like three days. I was like, what in the world? But that's what happens when you have a reader, right? And so Paul here in this same situation is, is getting the Ephesians to understand that I have a responsibility as not only someone that claims to want to spread God's news, but God appointed me as your father, as your spiritual father. And so this grace that God had given me stewardship of, I have to impart to you if I love you. That's pretty heavy. Right? Paul starts this out pretty heavy. So if we go on to the second one, right? do I need to go back to the definitions or did everyone write those out? Okay, let me go back to it because we're going to reference those a good bit. If you want to take a few seconds and, and write those down. All right. So our next one, the next definition is that uh, an important figure in the origin and early history of something, right? And Paul, again, gets right to the case, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, right? This is Paul, this is Paul letting the Gentiles know that before this point, you were cut out of this promise, and later he says Gentiles are fellow heirs. He's like, you were not a part of this, but now... Because of this responsibility God gave me, you have been given access. You have now been made known. And so for the very first time, Gentile kids weren't being born into a world where they were hated just because they weren't Jews. They were born into a life where they were now loved and incorporated into the promise that they had probably heard so much about through God. And Paul gets to be the first one that spreads this news to them, which is pretty exciting. Like, that would be pretty sweet 
to be able to go and tell people for the very first time that, hey, you've been told all your life that you weren't good enough. Well, now you are because of Jesus and because of what he did. A big reason why I wanted to open today's service up with the song Simple Gospel is because of this idea. Last week we talked about excluded exclusion and inclusion, and today we're talking more about that and the fact that Paul gets to start this process. And he doesn't start the process by going through this big elaborate trail of, of what Jesus did and how it was done. He starts with loving people. And that's the gospel. In its most simplistic form, he says that I am here to love you as my child and share with you the promises and the grace that God bestowed upon me, which now you are a part of. And so, I think it's safe to say Paul checks the block of being an important figure in the origin or early history of something. Right? And to, to take this and make it a little more personal, we would be considered Gentiles. If Paul didn't take this message and spread it, we would probably be on the outside as well. I find it, I find it interesting, and I myself often don't think of myself as a Gentile when reading Scripture. It's like, oh, that was over there. That's not me. I'm American. Right? Nope. Gentile. Right? And so that makes it hit home a little bit more that Paul, when he's talking to the Gentiles and says, you ward, he's talking to us. Because we would be in that same situation if we were alive a couple thousand years ago. Right? And so on today being Father's Day, Paul is also that to us. Because without the hard work that he put in and the, the dedication to God's stewardship, to the grace, we may not be here. And so it's, it's just really cool to see that Paul goes from one setting up his responsibility and fathership to two, immediately starting with the benefits. It's like, hey, you're my child. God loves you here. This is everything. This is your inheritance. You are now an heir, a partaker of everything that you've heard stories of. The third part of the definition is a man who gives care and protection to someone or something. It says, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring light what is the administration of the mystery for the ages who have been hidden in God. And so the care that Paul shows is to not let them walk in darkness anymore. He sees people that are living a life that had no hope. As we talked last week, if God is not there, hope is not there. It's void. Void is darkness. 
And so Paul says that I care about you so much that here is the mystery, and I'm going to preach to you and teach to you everything that you gain in God. I'm going to shed light into the life of darkness that you have been living. At the end, it says, so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So here, reaching out into the Gentile world, the Gentile portion, the rulers and the people in authority had no clue about God or how to treat people in that sense. And here's what he's saying is, I'm going to teach them to have that same wisdom. Right? And so not only were the, were the, the little people, but the t- people in the high positions were getting taught the same thing. And I think this is why we can speculate Paul's ministry was so successful. Is he didn't exclude anybody, but he went after every single person from the least to the highest and taught them the same thing. Shared with them the wisdom of God that was imparted to him and what that meant. Right? There's a really cool illustration um, that I saw on YouTube a couple years back when I was doing youth ministry. And it was, I was teaching a message of a kid feeling alone. And he had one candle in a room and it was really dark. But then when he lit his candle with someone next to him, when the candles were lighting together, the flame was bright. And then when they separated, the room went and it dimmed out a little bit more. But they kept doing it. It was like 100 kids in a room. And they all just shared their light with each other and it became brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And so using that same principle, if we spread the wisdom of God with the person next to us, we start to shed more light unto the world. And so with Paul here, that seems to be what he was going after. Is if we can get everyone holding a candle, if we can get everyone sharing in this wisdom of God, darkness in the world will start to go away and light will be shown. Lastly, it says the oldest and most respected member of the society or other body. And now this one, this one's interesting because here at this portion of scripture says, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf for they are your glory. It's a weird sentence, right? This guy's in, in prison because he was spreading God's news and taking the responsibility that God gave him to heart and he ends up in prison. If we think today, people would not be thankful for that nor would they take the responsibility for that and try and take it away from somebody else, right? We live in a very selfish time. And so if someone gets imprisoned, they often try and blame other people. Oh, well, I'm here because of that person. And here we see Paul imprisoned very easily could have been like, well, if I didn't have to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, I wouldn't be in prison. Right? Among the Jewish community, Paul was loved when he was a Pharisee. But now doing 
something that a lot of people didn't care for, and there were a lot of other religions at that time that didn't care for the spreading of the gospel, he gets thrown in jail for it and does it humbly. So humbly, in fact, that he tells the people that know, they know he's in prison because he was spreading the news. He's like, don't fret. I'm here because of your glory. Because God loves you so much, I'm here. At the beginning of chapter 3, it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Physically, he was a, a prisoner of Rome. But because he gave his life to Christ and served Christ solely, he was a prisoner to serve Christ. And in that, it's why he ended up here, in jail, for the responsibility that was given to him. And so when he says that I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations, it's saying, because I'm here should make you stronger. And not to lose heart over that. Oftentimes we get scared when little things come in our way, right? You know that the, the saying that there's the calm before the storm, right? Oh, life's going really good right now. It's like, crap, something's, something big's about to happen. I do that often. Ray and I often laughed when we meet because I'm like, all right, Ray, life's been going really good. It's like, something's about to happen. My car's going to blow up or something, right? And, and we lose heart over things like that. And knowing that Gentiles are young in their faith, young in their belief, he's encouraging them not to lose heart because he's here so that they can be so that God can be glorified, therefore they be glorified, because they now are living with God. That type of action, I don't I don't care who you are. If someone does that for you, that's respect. Right? And so it's easy to say that Paul was a greatly respected member of the society amongst the Gentiles. Because of his ability to not only hold himself below those that he was serving, but to elevate them in the process. Oftentimes when we read Paul's letter, he he mentions that he's the least of everyone, right? He calls himself a chief sinner. Here in Ephesians 3, he says he's the least of all the saints. Humble words from a very, very servant-minded man. So now the hard question is what does that mean for us, right? Father, Father's Day is a day to give thanks to fathers, but I think when we, when we exclude the other half of a parenthood, we lose some, some power to that, right? God made a marriage for mother and father to be one and to be seen as one. And so let's shift focus to instead of just fatherhood, parenthood. What does that mean for us? And I think if we, if we want to change this and put it down to the single simplest idea is the question is, what is my purpose? As a parent, 
what is my purpose? And we see that in verse 11 and 12. It says, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through him in faith. Right? So our purpose is very similar to what Jesus' purpose was. Make God known and love people. So my purpose as a parent, both to my son physically, but to those who do not know God spiritually, because I'm a parent to them as well, or to a guy that I'm discipling, I'm a parent. My purpose is the same as what Jesus's was. Love them and teach them about God. Now you're probably saying to yourself or thinking to yourself, okay, that's all well and good. I'm not capable. Well, no, you are. Paul answers that and answers that directly. It says, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith. Now, are you going to be perfect? No. Right? Are you going to screw up? Yes. You can ask my son. I probably screw up a good bit. Right? You can ask guys I disciple. I've screwed up multiple times. I'm not called to be perfect, but I am called to do it with confidence and boldness, and to do what Jesus did in loving them and teaching them about God. And so for us, that is our purpose. Paul showcases that he had that similar purpose when he was explaining his stewardship responsibility to the Gentiles. And now it's our turn. If we wish to be the Pauls of the the new generation, if we wish to be seen as extensions of the kingdom of God, let's do it boldly and let's have confidence that through faith in Christ and through the spirit that we are capable of doing it. The only reason that can't happen is when we stop ourselves. If Paul from a prison cell can love his children and the people he feels responsible so much to still gain numbers, we're not in prison. We're not prosecuted as much as he was. The world is not so much against us as we might think they are. We are against ourselves. So now why would Paul be adding this to his letter to the Ephesians, right? We keep going back to this because I think it's an important thing to understand is who he's writing this letter to are the faithful saints of Ephesus into that area. And so what I, what I think, what I speculate Paul put this in for is explaining his point of view so other people see it likewise, Once you become known or incited to the wisdom of God, it is then your responsibility to impart that to somebody else. It's not yours to keep and hold on to and not share, but it's yours to share with others. 
And I think a cool thing to think about, and especially in our region in which we are here in the White Mountains, you might be the very first person that can share God to somebody. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. Here, here Paul got to be the first one to share it to the Gentiles in this world, in this old world. We have that same possibility to be someone's very first glimpse into the grace of God and the love that he offers. And so my challenge to you is to be bold like Paul was and to have confidence in Christ through the faith that you have in him. Let's pray. Father God, we pray to thank you for today. We pray to thank you that you are a loving father and, and a perfect father. That you don't make mistakes when, when teaching us or, or raising us up. But God, you give us a multitude of chances. You give us forgiveness when it's necessary. And God, you, cry, you, call, you come to us when we cry out to you. God, we thank you for all of the people in our lives that have been fathers to us, that have taken the responsibility to impart into us wisdom that have allowed us to get to where we are today. God, more importantly, I want to ask on behalf of all of us that we would take that responsibility to heart as Paul did here in the book of Ephesians. But God, as we, as we leave today, that we could leave with your boldness and your confidence instilled in us to go and be a good parent to somebody else, to go and, and pass on your wisdom and insight into the mystery that is the gospel of love and your grace. God, we love you and we thank you for everything that you do. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.